so as we've said, the passage is the whole of 3 John. Um, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to, uh, who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also add to our testimony, and you know that all our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet, greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we are able to meet together openly and learn more about you. Um, and I just pray that you would really speak to us through um, the words that Peter is going to say and have um, open hearts to, to receive this information. And yeah, I just pray that we would really gain more knowledge of you and grow in our Christ-likeness. Amen. It's good to be back here in church after a few weeks of travel. Uh, it's been a privilege to see what God is doing in other parts of the world through some of the church planting work we are doing, trying to see churches like this of people following Jesus, experiencing fellowship and love in places where the church doesn't exist. There are still large chunks of the world where people have no privilege to worship God on a Sunday or Saturday or Friday morning, depending on the country they are in. And so for us who have this chance, we need to make use of it because it's a wonderful place to strengthen each other uh, and, and to grow in the knowledge of God. Today's passage is, is a short one. It's, it's very clear in what it says, but I wanted to share a little bit in terms of uh, the outworking of love and truth in the church from this particular chapter. Love and truth. If you're familiar with John's writing, John the Apostle, in his gospel, in his three epistles, and also in the book of Revelation, you, you see his personality coming through. And John is strong on the issue of love and truth. He emphasizes it, emphasizes it and talks about it so often. So although uh, scholars can debate as to who wrote third, John, I think it's quite clear when you read it that it's a private letter of the Apostle John who is writing to this Christian friend we know nothing about called Gaius. And so as Paul writes his letter uh, and looks back 
to the amazing years of following Jesus, which at this point he's writing is probably 60 years. It's probably the last letter John writes before he finally passes on. He outlived all the other disciples of Jesus, and so he can look back to 60 years of faithful ministry, experiencing God's grace, and cultivating and nurturing disciples of Jesus over those years, and be thankful. So he pens this short letter in which there are some gems of truth. Uh, he talks about three characters in particular in this church that he's writing to, and he's helping uh, Gaius really understand what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, and especially to imitate what is good and not what is evil. So that's the summary of this short letter. These three characters are interesting. Three men. One is called Gaius. The other one is Diotrephes. 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 Uh, Dio. And then we have Demetrius himself. So Gaius was a faithful Christian. And he was part of this church in Asia Minor, which was under the care of John the Apostle. Gaius had a good reputation. We see that in verse 3, the first part. And he walked in the truth. This truth that he walked in, in the context of John writing, he's writing to people who are familiar with his apostolic authority. So he's talking about the truth of the gospel. It's the gospel about Jesus Christ. The only way you can have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is not just an abstract idea. The truth is a person, is a relationship with Jesus. And so he talks about John walking in the truth. And he also talks about love in his letter. Again, it's not an abstract idea. It's not just a fact you appreciate mentally. It's the practical outworking of love. That's what he's emphasizing. So Gaius walked in the truth. He caused the apostle to be filled with joy because John saw how he was walking in the truth, and that is verse, five, verse 4. John is rejoicing at the fact that this man, this Christian, has walked in the truth. There's something beautiful to see people following Christ and following Christ over the years. Last night, I had a privilege with my wife to sit with one of my former students when I was doing student work in Kenya. I have never seen her since 1996, 27 years. And for the first time, she was in London for a business trip. And to see how she has continued to grow and to be mature in Christ, living out her faith in the business world that, if you know anything about Kenya, is a very corrupt space. And yet she's bringing the light of Christ into that space. It was just heartwarming. She shared examples of what it means to have faith in Christ in the business world. Academia nuts. Walking in the truth. It's a beautiful picture for all of us, people who follow Christ to walk in the truth. And so John is rejoicing because Gaius is walking in the truth. But not only that, in verse 5 and verse 6, he showed hospitality to some of the itinerant preachers who probably were going away, going from John to visit this church. And as they came in the name of Christ to do the ministry of the gospel, Gaius provided hospitality. Hospitality 
is a wonderful, wonderful ministry that the church is called to perform and to do. I'll say something about that. You know, in my work of travel, going to people I've never met before, as I was three weeks ago in Mozambique, never been there before, and had a chance to be treated with hospitality with these people who had little, but they put it all out for me. I was really humbled because one of them uh, followed me to the final meal that I was having, and they had bought me a gift of a pen. They had probably invested their whole church account to buy this, this pen. And, you know, I have so many pens, but just the thought that people are putting all they can to show hospitality is rewarding. It's a blessing. They didn't have to do it, but as they did it on Christ's behalf to bless his servant and myself, it was just such a beautiful picture. So hospitality uh, is something that John is commending. And then we have Diotrephes, which is this other man whom John writes was self-willed, power-hungry. He liked to put himself first, verse 9. But he also had this problem that he undermined apostolic authority, the apostolic authority of John. John had obviously written some letters before to try and correct things, and Dartrief didn't want anything to do with that. He doesn't seem to have an error in terms of what he teaches or what he does, but his practice is where his lifestyle is where the problem was. He faulted those who showed hospitality to some of the Christian ministers who had come to visit the church. And not only that, he stopped others providing that hospitality. If that was not enough, he removed them or put them away from the church. Maybe we can call that excommunicated them from the church. He may have had the truth, but he was full of love for himself, John writes. And of course, John says, when I come, I'll put things right. That was not a meeting for the faint-hearted in that church to be in when John was going to put things right with diatribes. So he's an example not to follow. Every local church has a mixture of people, people who mean well, people perhaps who don't always mean well, people who want to do good, people sometimes who look at things differently. And it's important in this context of this particular church to understand that there were people who were committed to the truth, but Dartrieves obviously was one of those who had been a problem in the church. The third character that's mentioned is Demetrius, who was, had a good testament from them all, including the apostle. Even the truth was a witness on his behalf. That's a wonderful testimony to think that somebody is living a life that even the truth is commending him for his life. It is thought that he may actually have been the person who was carrying John's letter to Gaius. And so John wanted him, or Demetrius, to feel at home and to be given a reception that was worthy of his Christian character. So those three people are three examples of individuals in a local church that are seeking to follow Christ, that are seeking to practice the truth. And so the question is, what lessons can we learn from them? Here are some three quick lessons just from those three characters. You know, with characters in the Bible, we don't necessarily seek to be like them, but we want to learn some truths about how they live their life that hopefully we can put into practice because every single person does have weaknesses. 
including myself. So it's so important that we learn to live with people with their weaknesses, but find truths and character qualities that we seek to emulate. So the first practical lesson we can see from this short passage is the importance of walking in the truth and love. Because when you do that, it goes back to the beginning where John is praying that this Gaius may prosper in his body even the way his, his soul is doing well. If we want our souls, our Christian life to prosper, to experience this well-being, the doing, getting along well, so to speak, we ought to walk in the truth and love. I know that truth and love can feel really abstract, but it's an attitude of the heart, but it also works out in practice through relationships we have in the church. Today we talked about knowing each other by name. It's not easy when we meet once in a week or maybe once in a month for some of us who have to be away. We don't meet so often. But it's important that in following Christ, we are people who grow in the truth of the gospel of Christ and allow that gospel to bear fruit in our lives so that we can show practical kindness and love to those around us. We see that in the example of two people whose lives showed exactly that. And we see Diotrephes whose life was contrary to that. And so this is the challenge and urge to us this morning. is for us as we follow Christ to seek to continue to grow in the truth. Sometimes in life we find challenges. Sometimes in our Christian walk we, we find places of disappointment. Even Christian disciples of Jesus do reach places where we can fail. We can go wrong. We can get discouraged. And discouragement is one of the big challenges facing Christians today. But we should be encouraged from Scripture that as we continue in the truth, God himself will cause his life and his strength to flow through our lives so that our lives continue to be a blessing and fruitful in the places where he has placed us. So if nothing else, this morning, encouraging you, continue to live in the truth. Because the truth, the gospel of Christ itself, bears much fruit in our lives. I can look over the years of my Christian journey and see how God has been so gracious to help me as I seek to follow Christ. I see that in the lives of so many people. Even this young church I visited with a very young church. In fact, one of the churches had visited, one of the churches they had planted in northern Mozambique. There were 14 Christian believers who have all come to Christ in the last one year. And this is the new church. And so they had traveled and they were sharing their testimony. The beauty of the gospel, you can see that in 12 months, somebody's life is being changed. There is a hunger for God. It was my first time in a long while to be in a service where the children actually sat through the two hours of the service without fidgeting. Children, obviously, there eat something different because they sat right in the front for two good hours and they were all listening. You could see from their body language they are quite engaged. And, uh, but this is the, the hunger that comes when the gospel breaks in, into new places and you begin to see the hunger for God. They want to learn. They want to take it in. And they want to grow and practice Christian love. So live, walk in truth and walk in love is the lesson that comes to us. The second lesson we see from this particular passage is the important of sub, importance of submitting to apostolic authority. 
Now, in our days and times, we, we don't necessarily have apostles in the same way. We do have them in a slightly different way. Uh, those especially who have uh, a call by God to establish new work in new places carry the same kind of weight and authority. But we find in Scripture, the Scripture still carries the authority of God. And one of the responsibilities that God gives a local church is to, is to have church pastors and leaders and elders who teach the truth. And when we teach the truth of the gospel, we need to submit to that truth. It's not so that the individuals themselves are people of status that we need to, to adore or bow down to, but we need to pray for our leaders that as, as they bring the truth of God's word, that that truth may continue to help us grow to know Christ better, that that truth may shape our lives at a time when people question the validity of truth, where people prefer to do things their own way, that as Christians, we'll submit to the Lordship of Christ, the teaching of Scripture that can guide us in the way God wants us to walk. You know, it's so easy when now we have Bird and uh, Chat GPT that can tell you all answers to your life problems. You don't even need to know how to write an official application letter. Just ask them, and it, it will turn out a wonderful letter with all the different references. It's amazing how artificial intelligence is changing life. And, and you can do so much with it. But when it comes to the Christian faith, we still submit to the authority of God and his word. God does not change his word. We could all vote God out of this place, but God remains true. There are principles that God has given us that when we obey and follow, our lives will be fruitful. And that's something we should aspire to. Dartreeves didn't want anything like this, but you see the fruitful life of Gaius and Demetrius as they submitted to the apostolic teaching of John and the scriptures, their lives demonstrated the truth of the gospel as they practiced love in the fellowship. And the final thing here is imitate what is good. Again, I find this a difficult thing to do, especially in the world we live in because I think everyone seems to have an opinion of what is right and wrong. So it's very difficult. How do you actually imitate what is good? Because everybody seems to know what needs to be done. But again, within the fellowship of believers, we see especially the whole aspect of hospitality, which I want to emphasize here this morning. We are living in a time, I think, the church is in crisis where we are not supporting Christian workers who pro, uh, uh, spread the gospel of Christ. It's so important that we re rediscover that Christ has one body. He's building his kingdom. That body is spread out in different parts of the world, in different sectors of society. And we as followers of Jesus need to continue to be discerning how can we participate in what God is doing and materially, financially, and morally support the work that God is carrying out through his people, whom he's calling into service. It starts within our local congregation here. We are talking about hope into action. This is an activity of the church. We trust that the church will put up projects like this where the church can be a blessing to the community. What will be your role? Not everybody can get involved, but you can get involved in some way. How will you get involved in something like that can be that can minister grace and bring dignity to people who have been disadvantaged in life. But more to that, how can we be partakers of ensuring that the gospel of Christ continues to go to places 
where people do not know Christ. This world is coming to an end at some point. It's, I know it's difficult to appreciate or maybe even believe that this world will come to an end. You know, of late I've been telling my wife, it's, it's one of the most beautiful times to live in this country when it's all green, the weather is getting warmer. It's getting warmer, I think. <laughs> and, and you just drive out or go into some of the walks in Kent. It's so beautiful. To think that this world will come to an end at that point, I'm, you, you want to live here forever. But we need to remember that we exist to bring glory to God. And part of God's mission from the beginning was to restore fallen humanity back to himself. There are people around us, within our families, within our neighborhoods, who need to hear the gospel of Christ. And so we may not be, have all that it takes to present that gospel to everyone, but we can be part of what God is doing together as a local church so that through the efforts we put together, we can be a blessing to God's gospel locally and globally together. It's both of those together. And it's through the connections God gives us. We don't have to do everything in the world, but God gives us natural connections with places, and sometimes God brings people to share with us what they are doing in other parts of the world. And we can be part of that as a local church, to be a blessing as we practice hospitality and generosity to build God's kingdom. The gospel invites us to participate in that. And why is that so? Because those whom God calls to spread his word are doing it on his behalf. It's not their choice. God in his mercy calls them to do it. And the rest of the body of Christ have, need to support that effort so that God may get his glory. But also God through visiting ministers can bring a blessing even to local congregations. I remember in the church where I was, I was leading in London a few years back, we had a church leader who had a, a severe problem with his daughter, whose firstborn daughter uh, went off the rails completely. You know, you see your lovely little girl growing up, they get into the teenage years, and they turn into something different. It was a very painful experience for him to watch his daughter do everything possible that you can do against the will of your parents and everybody who loves you and to do it consistently, to see her life just going down the drains. One day in the service, there was a visitor who knew nothing about the situation. He visited, there was a sermon that was shared, people broke into small groups. Now that's a terrifying experience in a local church to have small groups on a Sunday morning. But as they prayed for each other in this small group, that elder shared the pain he's having with his daughter. This visitor who knew nothing about him just said one word. Have you ever given thanks to God for your daughter? That was the last thing you want to do with a daughter that is just difficult. That was the only word he shared. So later in the week, the elder was sharing, this church leader was sharing with me that there was a stranger. I knew the stranger, but he said there's this stranger who came and just shared this. And so with his wife, they went and gave thanks to God for their daughter. That was the turning point for that young girl. Somehow God used that word to change the situation. Today that girl ended up going to Bible college and is doing Christian ministry. And she was going in the complete opposite direction 
Of course, there are some few wasted lives over years, but God has a way of restoring broken and wasted lives. The point I'm trying to make is that as we come to worship God, let, let's expect God to work. We may be strangers as we come together, but as we come to church, you never know how God will come through and provide a solution for your situation as you look up to him for help and even as you pray over the years. God can change situations because that's the God we serve. Some of the two leaders in this church understood that and they practiced love and truth in the congregation. My prayer is that as we worship God together, even here at Barton often, we'll expect God to do supernatural things, to change some of our situations. In some cases, it takes long, but our faith and trust remains in God to bring about transformation where we so much needs it, need it. God can use itinerant visiting ministers who may not even preach, may come alongside you in diverse places and bring the truth and hope of the gospel of Christ to bear in your situation. Let's be encouraged that the gospel bears truth, bears fruit, and it's doing that all over the world, even as I speak today. And so as we come to worship God and go forth into this week in all the things we'll be doing, let's look for opportunities where God can work through us let us expect God to bring changes around us. Let's pray for our country and our neighborhoods. We may not have the courage sometimes to speak out, but God will open the doors at the right point for us to speak truth and love in situations that can bring wholeness and dignity to people and even the transforming power of the gospel of Christ to change lives because that's what God delights in doing and that's what he's doing even here in Canterbury and Faversham, as he does it in other parts of the world. Let's pray, and then the band will come over to lead us in some singing. Father, this morning we come as human beings who just delight to discover more of your treasure, who delight to walk in the truth and love that you talk about in Scripture, that delight in the gospel. Father, we pray that in our daily lives, whether in the workplace or in jobless situations or in families, in our studies, as we seek to live our daily lives in a very busy world, we pray that the truth of the gospel of Christ may become more and more real to the situations we face. We pray that you'll give us the wisdom to interpret that gospel, to bear fruit in our relationships and in our conversations. We pray that instead of being people who want to be first, we may be people who look up to you of how we can be a blessing to the people you're bringing us into contact with. And we pray that, Lord, in some of the situations and maybe weights that we may be carrying this morning, we pray that your supernatural work of grace may flow into those areas, whether it's relationships that need to be healed, whether it is just health situations, or maybe even in employment, there are issues that are disturbing us. We pray that the truth of the gospel can be practical in that situation to bring light and hope and just an assurance that you are with us. And Father, if it's a relationship with anybody that is difficult this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit will flow into those situations 
to do what you are able to do, to heal and to mend. And above all, that, Father, you may fill us with a fresh desire to see the gospel of Christ go forth in power in all the places around us as we bear witness, sometimes in fear, but in total confidence and trust in you, that, Father, many will come to know Christ in these last days we live in. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.